0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. Hans Vogt, professor, Ulster County Community College. Thankful to be here, Dan. Hans, it's great to have you. And on the Skype line today with us is Pastor Mark Diedrich. Mark, it's nice to have you with us.
1: Yeah, it's good to be able to talk to you via Skype.
0: (laughs) So far, it's working well. Today we're going to be reviewing some facts about Thanksgiving. Uh, That certainly is on our minds. It will be here in another, what, five days? And it's an exciting time of year for uh, Americans. And so um, how appropriate it is to uh, review some of our nation's history surrounding Thanksgiving. In my mind's eye, I can visualize this scene, this painting, where there's this little boat approaching the shore. I think they called a shallop. And one of the men are out there in, in prayer. Uh, you know, I don't know how accurate that scene was, but, you know, the, the first Thanksgiving, we'd like to say. So Hans, maybe you can get us started. Sure. Well, I'm sure many
2: people are familiar with the story of the pilgrims, uh, the separatists who settled uh, Plymouth Colony in 1620. Uh, they had been Living in the Netherlands uh, for several years, they had uh, they were separatists in England, so they did not belong to the Church of England. They had established a separate, independent church. And to escape persecution, they had moved to the Netherlands. And then they had an opportunity in 1620 to move over to the English colony of Virginia. And a number of them jumped at that chance and uh, got on board the Mayflower too set out for the new world
0: and um one thing is um you said virginia and yet we know that they didn't land in virginia so what happened there (laughs) well their gps wasn't working on the mayflower
1: (laughs) maybe it was the early gps's that constantly got things wrong (laughs)
2: yeah really (laughs) Yeah, they they were actually aiming for the northern parts of Virginia, um, hoping to settle actually somewhere close to the Dutch settlement, mm-hmm. uh, New Amsterdam, and uh, because of wind and weather and in the, in the North Atlantic, uh, they made landfall off of Cape Cod, mm. and uh, they did actually attempt to sail south to where they were supposed to be, but there are very treacherous. Shoals and sandbars around Cape Cod, mm. and um, the captain, the Mayflower, basically said, "Forget it, you're staying here." Ah, uh, okay. And and what was his name?
0: Jones, Captain okay. Jones, Captain Jones. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it was late as well. Yes, and uh, they they knew they didn't have much time. They knew they had to get settled before winter, and therefore they had to, as it were, disembark rather quickly.
2: Hmm. Yeah, they okay. had meant to set out. In fact, they had set out earlier in two ships, and then they had to turn back right. because one of the ships, probably because the sabotage, uh, had uh, sprung a leak or mm-hmm. several, okay. uh, and so that they, they left England much later than they had intended, and they arrive uh, much later. In fact, they they arrive at Cape Cod on the eleventh of November,
0: and um, like we're going through right now, uh, cold weather sets in. Uh, here in the northeast um, in november and so i imagine it was cold then as well and even colder than now that this is the 1600s were
2: right in the middle of that little ice age ah. uh, a much colder period in in the 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 climate of particularly the northern hemisphere so yes. winters were much colder and more severe and prolonged than even mm-hmm. what we're used to today all right what
0: happens next
2: well they they arrive in in the uh, harbor the the tip of uh, Cape Cod, what what is known as Provincetown today, and there's a, a Pilgrim Monument there to mark uh, the occasion. Uh, and actually, the uh, they arrive on uh, um, they lay anchor in the harbor there on, on Saturday night, so they don't do anything because it's the Sabbath. Oh, yeah,
0: interesting.
2: Right. So sundown Saturday to sundown Sunday was their Sabbath, so mm-hmm. they spent the time worshiping God, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day they got out and began exploring and washing their clothes and
0: fumigating the ship. uh, I can imagine it really stunk in some of the quarters of that ship. Yes. Oh, my. What did they find there on land? Anything in particular besides snow?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, they found a settlement, not of Europeans, but an older Indian settlement but the tribe that had settled there had all died of smallpox.
0: Oh, yes.
1: So there was a lot that they had to clear, obviously, but it wasn't wasn't like they were starting from, from scratch.
0: Right. Now, there's documents from this period, different writings. These seem to be extremely important, uh, particularly the, the source documents. Can you guide us through that a little bit, Hans?
2: Yeah, there's really two primary sources for the early years of the Plymouth Colony. One is Governor William Bradford's History of Plymouth Plantation, which was written about 1650. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the other is called Mort's Relation, and it it basically includes letters written by Edward Winslow, who's another member of the Plymouth Colony, uh, describing what happened.
0: These letters, can you give us a little taste of the content of of some of these these writings.
2: Well, here's the way Bradford described the initial landing. He writes, "...being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven, who had brought them over the fast and furious ocean, and delivered them from all the perils and miseries thereof, Hmm. again to set their feet on the firm and stable earth." their proper element. But here I cannot but stay and make a pause and stand half amazed at this poor people's present condition. And so I think, will the reader, too, when he well considers the same, being thus past the vast ocean in a sea of troubles before in their preparation, they now had no friends to welcome them, nor inns to entertain or refresh their weather-beaten bodies, no houses or much less towns to repair to, to seek for succor, And for the season it was winter, and they knew that the winters of that country know them to be sharp and violent and subject to cruel and fierce storms, dangerous to travel to known places, much more to search an unknown coast. Besides, what could they see but a hideous and desolate wilderness full of wild beasts and wild men, and what multitudes there might be of them they knew not? What could now sustain them but the Spirit of God and His grace?" That's really beautiful.
0: They write. I love the language. Yeah, and, and they write with um, a, a faith in God. Right, and this is the God of the Bible. They're they're talking about here. It's wonderful. Now, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about um, they they met someone or met people? Um,
1: yeah, very early on, an Indian by the name of Samoset came from the Wampanoag tribe. And he came into the midst of them, and he could speak some English, and it was great. And so they could start talking and communicating with the Wampanoag people, whose chief was Massasoit. Among them was another Indian by the name of Squanto. Squanto had been a part of the tribe in the area where the Plymouth colony settled, he had actually been captured and made a slave. Actually, I believe it occurred twice. Mm-hmm. So he spent quite a bit of time. He spent some time in Spain. He spent quite a bit of time in England. So he could speak English very well. And he was there at the time when the smallpox plague ravaged his tribe and it took everyone but since he wasn't there, he was alive. And when he came back, when he was able to make his way back, he uh, was incorporated into the Wampanoag tribe. So he was able to really help the Plymouth Colony pilgrims a great deal in so many ways. And mm. learning how to live off the land and helping with the relationships with the Wampanoag Indians. And so it was a tremendous providential thing that they had this indian by the name of squanto to help them out
0: Mm -hmm. it it amazes me that um coming to this foreign land to uh, basically a people that have another language that here is um really two uh one that can speak kind of part english and another one that's quite fluent in english i i find that fascinating
1: yeah. <laughs> it is. It is and it and it was exactly the thing that they needed at the time.
0: Now, Hans, what about um prior to them getting off the ship or whatever, isn't there some some agreement that gets written up? Some maybe you can help us there. Sure. The
2: Mayflower Compact. Yes. And uh yes, while they're still on the ship and there's the scouting party is, is scouting around. It, it took them some time to find the site for Plymouth. They had to scout all the way around Cape Cod. Mm. And so some of them were getting discontented and mutinous and, you know, grumbling and so forth. And so they sat down and drew up this agreement. And remember where they are. they are. They're not where they're supposed to be. They are not under any authority... Uh, other than God, mm-hmm. uh, and so they say we need to create an agreement, really a covenant, that we are going to have a government and create laws and abide by them and work together if this settlement's going yeah. like to work. Would you like me to read part of it? Uh, I would love that. <laughs> In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents, solemnly and mutually, in the presence of God and one another, covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid.
0: That's beautiful. I just love something like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, and I don't know whether Hans, you would agree with me, but without their missing the Northern Virginia, we would have never had the Mayflower Compact. Right. Because they would have just simply been under the Charter of Virginia.
2: Exactly. Oh, yes.
1: But because they missed that, now they're outside the Charter. And they feel the necessity to have this mm-hmm. this official document.
0: Is there a practical lesson here for us that sometimes we're heading in a certain direction and <laughs> providentially our direction changes and we could uh, get all mad and stomp our feet and make a fuss versus another course of action?
1: I think that's right. I mean, mm. God changes our pathways a lot of times <laughs> and uh, you know, In so many ways, uh, when that happens to me, you're right, Dan, I get upset and say, what's going on here? Yeah. When, in fact, God is saying, "Uh, guess what? Here's a new pathway, and it's better than the one you had figured on.
0: This is for your best, yeah. Yes. And our our human tendency left to ourselves may be to develop a real uh, bad spirit about it, but uh, this clearly was the hand of God. That's right. That's right. Well, let's keep going. Hans touched upon briefly the Mayflower Compact. Uh, we mentioned briefly the Indians. What of significance happens next in the next uh, – got about 12 minutes left uh, in this uh, interview. Well, they, uh, they, they settle at Plymouth in, at the site of this abandoned
2: uh, Patuxet village. It's a rough winter. Um, most of the adults die. Mm -hmm. Uh, when spring comes, they've got a majority of the colonists are now children. They're not even burying the bodies in marked graves because they don't want the Indians to know how many have actually died. Uh, and so it's in the springtime of 1621 when Samoset shows up and then introduces them to, uh, Massasoit and Squanto and, and the Wampanoag. And they make a peace treaty. And that peace treaty will stay in effect for, uh, several decades, Uh, not until after the generation on both sides has passed away will that peace uh, treaty be violated and broken.
0: Now, you printed out some things ahead of time, Hans, and um, is that what this portion is here? I'm I'm pointing to like six points of this uh, peace treaty. What was some of the content of that? I'm interested. Uh, Well,
2: it says that they will uh, not hurt uh, one another, uh, that if one a person from one group hurts someone of the other group, they will send them to the other group for punishment. Mm. Uh, that if either one is attacked, the other will come to their aid, so it's a mutual defense treaty. Uh, and so it it's a very important document and it's very important for the colonists because they really need protection. <laughs> uh right. and 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 the Wampanoag provide that for them. But it also works for the Wampanoag. It it makes Massasoit more powerful than some of the other chiefs in the area. And so it's certainly for his benefit as well.
1: Yeah. One of the things you have to understand, and a lot of times we think, okay, you've got European settlers, and then you have all the Indians. What you have to understand is that there are many Indian tribes. Right. And many of them don't like each other. Exactly. You know, and so... You have to understand there are various different nations, and so there are certain ones who would not like the, the Europeans. The Wampanoags and Massasoit like them, and, and they were able to, to build these treaties. Other things you have to understand is, for the most part, when you look at a lot of the Christian settlements, you have the pilgrims, but then you also have coming in later is the non-separating Puritans,
3: Mm-hmm.
1: that came and settled in Salem, for the most part, they dealt with the Indian tribes that they were moving into as equals and would make treaties and compacts and uh, buy land. They wouldn't steal the land. They would buy the land and that kind of thing. The aspect of uh, of the stealing of the Indian land came later and usually not with the Christian groups that were here.
0: Right, right. Now, um, I'm looking at the time, and I I think we need to cover a couple more things before we run out of time. What about um, going along now in in the timeline, anything else significant that we need to cover um, in the 1600s and then bring it forward to 1700s, 1800s Hans? Well, there is that harvest party they have in the fall of 1621,
2: which is uh, what we call the first Thanksgiving. Yeah, and uh, that's described by Edward Winslow this way. He says, Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling that so we might, after a special manner, rejoice together, after we had gathered the fruits of our labors. They four in one day killed as much fowl as, with a little help beside, served the company for almost a week. Many of the Indians coming amongst us, and amongst the rest their greatest king, Massasoit, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor, and upon the captain and others. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, Yet, by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you
0: partakers of our plenty. Very good. I'm also wondering, as they celebrated, as they thanked God, besides the fowl, uh, besides the deer, uh, what other kinds of food did they partake of?
2: Well, fowl, we don't know. That probably included turkey. It may Mm -hmm. have also included duck and other fowl. Yeah. Uh deer, certainly venison, was on the menu. Right. Uh the William Bradford uh mentions um that they also had uh, fish, of course, cod and bass and other fish. I was
0: interested in that. I, I thought maybe, yeah, some seafood. Right. And of course Indian corn. Okay. No mashed potatoes though. No, I would really miss that. <laughs> <laughs> How is it that we got to the strong tradition of having turkey, mashed potatoes, and gravy. (laughs) I'd like to know that. (laughs) Well, he's smiling at me. You can't see this over the air.
1: You see the stuffing, too, you know, and and maybe there was some kind of stuffing. Well, my belly
0: looks like I got stuffing. (laughs) Hey, um, we got just about five minutes left. Um, Bring it forward now, uh, 1700s Hans.
2: Yeah, well, what happens is that for the most part... um, The Thanksgiving holiday in the colonial period is a New England thing uh, because it began in New England. Uh, But then when you get into the period of the Revolutionary War, uh, there are repeated days of fasting and thanksgiving to ask for God's help and to thank Him for His help in the course of of, uh, the war. Uh, And uh, President Washington uh, will issue... Uh, a Thanksgiving proclamation that will specifically uh, set the last Thursday in November, but it doesn't really become a a permanent national holiday until the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And uh, President Abraham Lincoln issues the Thanksgiving Day proclamation in 1863, uh, and that's really the start of the of the modern
0: holiday. Okay, and I. You gave us a a printout of that also, of of both of these presidents, and I couldn't help but notice uh, constant references to the great Lord, the ruler of the nations, Um, that would be Washington's language, and language of Abraham Lincoln, uh, uh, referring to the most high God. Uh, These men were very conscious of what they were saying, I think. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Lincoln in his proclamation uh, says uh, that uh, the year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften the heart, which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. What a paragraph.
0: It's remarkable. Some of the language we hear today, whether it's a talk show, news item, or some of the music, is like cheap language compared to this. Well, I love it. Um, Gentlemen, we're almost out of time. Um, Bringing it forward to our own day right now, uh, today, 2014. Comments. Um, advice, anything
1: one of the things Hans brought up early on was they did have freedom in Holland, but you see the problem with the freedom they had in Holland was they couldn't they couldn't serve God as fully as they wanted to. They spent too much time in work, they were afraid their children were going to lose their their Christian heritage. That was so important to them. It was so important to them that they would risk life and limb to come over here. Mm -hmm. And I think so often today, we look at ourselves and, and yeah, God's there. But how passionate are we to really learn and know Him? And how many things get in our way today, which we could clear
0: out? That's that's an excellent point. I find it in my own life, Mark, where... First thing up in the morning, I know I should read my scripture, but what am I doing? I'm, I'm checking my email or checking the texts that have come in overnight, Hans. Yeah, yeah
2: absolutely. You know, and, and it's sad to me how this holiday has gotten lost mm. uh, and turned into um, the kickoff for holiday shopping and, uh, you know, sporting events and so forth, and, and I I like football, but we really need to get back, I think, to that original idea of stopping, taking time to stop and remember everything that God has done for us and give him thanks and praise mm-hmm. for all Amen. the things he's done for us.
0: Oh. Beautiful summary. And uh, Mark, anything else that you want to cover?
1: I, I think that's, uh, that's it. one of the things that we do is, again, the focus is on God the God who sent Jesus Christ to die for us and rose three days later that we might have eternal life. That's what it's really all about. Mm. Thanking not a God, but the God who sent Jesus, the God who really is there.
0: Mm. Amen. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today here on A Plain Answer, and we've been talking about Thanksgiving. Perhaps you have a question for one of these fine gentlemen feel free to email us your question. That address is ministry at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. And this entire episode is up on our website. Check it out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Dr. Hans Vogt, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Dan. And Pastor Mark Diedrich, thank you. Thanks, Dan. And to our listener, we do wish you a very blessed Thanksgiving. May the Lord's grace shine upon you. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Quick reminder, please join us next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.
3: give thanks give To the Holy One Give thanks Because He's born Jesus Christ No one gives it because he's given Jesus his Christ he His discipline and now, now let the weak, weak say I am strong, let the poor let say I, say I, I am, am rich. rich. I am rich because, because of what, what the, the Lord of Lord has done, us. done for us. I am rich because because of what what the Lord has has done of what, what the Lord